If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. We must be very careful how we read this passage. It is easily misunderstood and has been. For it's possible to think that our Lord is saying, in effect, if you love me, prove it. It is possible to think that our Lord is saying, you're only my friend if you do what I tell you. You may be saying, that does not add up with the God of love who gives his life that I may live. And you're right. Our first glance at this gospel doesn't get the whole story. It can be very easily misunderstood. And here is why in a nutshell. Loving God is not a human work. It is a gift. I'll repeat it because this takes a while to understand. Loving God is not a human work. It is a gift. The love that we have for God is a gift. The text should be read to say, in effect, if you love me, then by this love that I have given you, you will keep my commandments. So the keeping of the commandments is not the cause of, of, of love. So you keep the commandments, so now I love you. All right, it, it, our Lord is waiting for us to do something before he loves us. That's not it. The keeping of the commandments, instead, is the fruit of love. Our Lord says, I love you. So you keep the commandments with greater ease, with joy. He wants our joy to be complete. That's why he loves us. We keep those commandments because we are in love. He has first loved us. The love of God comes first. As we heard in our second reading, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as expiation for our sins. Brothers and sisters, God has placed his love in our hearts. Through baptism, he dwells there now. And by that love, by his indwelling, we are able to respond in love and keep his commandments. So the more we know his love, experience his love, encounter this love of God, the more we are able to desire and be able to love God in return because we are in love. Love is the power by which we keep the commandments. Now moms, I think you have a particular way of showing God's love to us. As children, infants, toddlers, below the age of reason, we, your sons and daughters, are unable to love you in return. We just simply are. Yet you love us. Even before we are born, our mothers shower us with affection. Unearned, unmerited, we didn't do anything to deserve it. And yet they love us. And that reminds us of the love of God. 
For God has thought of us and loved us for all eternity. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. A prophet to the nations, I appointed you. Our Lord loves us even before we know him or have the capacity to love him. A priest friend of mine gives his mother flowers on his birthday as a way of saying thank you. Thank you for being my mother. Thank you for the labor of love that it was to bring me into this world and to keep me alive. And not just that, but to extravagantly love me all these years, beginning on the anniversary of this birthday. Even before we have recognized their face, they have loved us. Even before we come to knowledge of God, He has loved us. And children, as they reach the age of reason and grow up, those children who know they are loved by their parents in the extravagant way that God loves us, as the Father loves the Son, so Jesus loves us. It's pretty darn intense. If children know that their, their parents have this extravagant love for them, they respond in, a, in an extravagant way. I noticed this in a, in a nephew of mine. His mother one year decided to homeschool him. It's what, was, what would work best for the family at that time. And so that was a, quite the learning curve and quite a lot of work for mom. A tremendous labor of love. And after a few weeks' worth of homeschooling, he picked up on her love in a way that he had not before. I think he was about nine or ten at the time. Over the course of a few weeks, he went from being you know, a pretty good kid to a really good kid. This kid who was, he would naturally, joyfully, extravagantly love his mom and dad. He would jump to chores before they even had a chance to ask him. Or if they did ask him, he'd do it joyfully. He became a young man in the space of a few weeks because he was more aware of his mother's love. That's what happens in our own hearts. As we become more and more aware of the extravagant love of our Lord for us, the love that our Lord has placed in our hearts through baptism, through reconciliation, through the Eucharist especially, we can then respond to, respond with. The more we fall in love with Him, the easier it is not just to follow the commandments, begrudgingly do the commandments, but joyfully live the commandments, the commandments of love. Moms, your constant, affectionate, self-giving life. Your love for us, unmerited love for us, it's unmerited on our part, speaks to us of the love of God. Your giving of your lives for us speaks to us of the love of God. Greater love has no one than this and to lay down one's life for one's friends, or in this case, for one's children. And you do. Thank you.
Now, we don't just listen to our parents out of servile fear, but out of love, and so too with God. We do not follow his commandments out of fear alone. There's something called the fear of the Lord, which was mentioned in the first reading, and a gift of the Holy Spirit we receive in confirmation. And it's not servile fear, but really the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of really knowing and loving our Lord. When we have a proper fear of the Lord, we have a proper understanding of who God is in the extravagant way, the unfathomable love that he has for us. And it only naturally follows, now that I know this love, I will love you in return. Now that I understand, I will love you. What follows from us, knowing the love of our mothers, knowing the love of God, is love. So too, when we encounter the love of God, we come to knowledge that God is a madman, madly in love with us, always ready to be reconciled to us, always renewing his covenant with us at every Mass, always calling us beloved son and daughter, no matter what. Then we are able to respond in love, extravagantly. Having been loved by him first, we can love him in return. There's a beautiful prayer by a priest from the 20th century, I say that like it was a long time ago, um, which sums up the Christian response to the love of God quite well. And he says this, Nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love in a quite absolute, final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. And he says, fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. May I be so bold as to amend it just slightly. Fall in love with God. Stay in love with God. And it will decide everything.